Good morning, guys. I missed you all. I wasn't here last Sunday. We got a little time. My family and I saw our boys. My wife and I, we got away. And so here we are, and, and I missed you, and I love, love being here. I always say this because it's the truth. There is no other place I'd rather be Sunday mornings than with you, my church, Grace, family. <laughs> Thanks. Have you guys ever seen a movie where people switch places? They trade places. I remember watching a movie, I can't remember the name of it, where a mom switched places with her daughter. The daughter became the mom, the mom became the daughter. And so for a season, thank you, for a season, they were each other until they did something and then they switched back to being who they were. I do remember though, in the 80s, I'm aging myself, there was a movie called Trading Places, where this rich guy played by Dan Aykroyd switched places with this poor guy played by Eddie Murphy. And they switch places. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to switch places with someone else? Maybe have you ever wondered how it'd be like or what it would be like to switch places with someone famous like a Michael Jordan? Could you imagine? Or maybe switching places with a very successful business person being on, on Shark Tank, being one of those guys that says, and for that reason, I'm out. Have you ever imagined being that? Or maybe being a famous singer like Taylor Swift. Or if you're like me, have you ever imagined being Luis Miguel for a day? <laughs> Just me? That's kind of weird. But have you ever imagined trading places with someone not as fortunate as you? Have you ever imagined trading places with that guy? that sits in the corner every single day asking for money. Or maybe changing places with some lady that's at the hospital and she's been there for weeks and they don't know what's wrong with her, but yet she's there. Or maybe, have you ever imagined trading places with a person who has an addiction that no matter what they want to do, they can't get rid of it. Or trading places with a young lady who is depressed and feels that she's worthless. Have you ever imagined what that would feel like? Now, I mentioned these things because today we're going to look at a story of a man who did trade places with another man. So if your Bible's with you, please open them up to Mark chapter 1. We're continuing our series in this gospel, according to Mark, we're going to pick up in verse 40. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And here's how it reads. It says this. And a leper came to him, to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And then moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out, and he began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every single quarter. Let me quickly recap, cover last week, so we can see why we are reading it, what we're reading this week. 
So last week we saw that Jesus is becoming very popular. He, he gathers crowds because people have been seeing and hearing that he is a miracle maker. And he goes into the synagogue and begins to preach. And everybody is amazed at the way this man was preaching. They say, we've never heard someone preach with such authority. The word of God. And then we read that he, he lifts this man from an unclean spirit. A man sitting there at church, at the synagogue. And then immediately we read, because Mark loves that word, immediately... He goes to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is ill, and he heals her completely, and she begins to serve him. And then the crowd, imagine the crowd just begin to gather all around him more and more, so he isolates himself. He goes and prays, and the apostles come up to him and say, hey, where are you, man? You're really popular. You've got... The crowd's waiting for you. Everyone is looking for you. And here's what Jesus says. Just to recap, chapter 1 of Mark, verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on the next town, to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He was reminding the apostles, this is not why I came. I came to proclaim the good news. To tell everyone that the kingdom of God is at hand. I don't want to be distracted by all this commotion. And so what we're going to do for the remaining of our time today is going to go back and cover the verses we just read. And we're going to unfold four transitions. These are the four transitions we're going to see. First, we're going to see a hopeless condition that leads to a desperate petition. And then we're going to see a compassionate feeling that transitions to a full, complete healing. And then we're going to see a demanding rule which transitions into a disobedient reply. And finally, we'll look at a temporary separation which leads to a complete restoration. So let's go back and begin and look at our first transition which is a hopeless condition to a desperate Petition, a hopeless condition which leads to a desperate petition. Verse 40 again. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. This is a man with a hopeless condition. Leprosy. The word in Greek is lepros, which means scaly or scabby. Which means that this man had a horrific skin disease. As a matter of fact, leprosy was horrible. Leprosy would affect all the nerves in your body where you couldn't feel a thing. You became callous to whatever you touched or touched you. Leprosy would affect every system in your body. Your muscle system, your organs, every single thing. And eventually, if it wasn't cleansed... If it wasn't treated, eventually you would die. Leprosy was bad. But leprosy was even worse, I think, for a Jewish person. Why? Because if a Jewish person had leprosy, they were required to do certain things. The law of Moses required anyone, a Jewish person with leprosy, to do several things. There's a whole bunch of them that you can find in Leviticus chapter 13. But let me just mention some of them. First of all, if you were a Jewish person and had leprosy, before you entered into any place, you needed to shout out, unclean, unclean. 
You needed to warn everybody that you were coming into their presence. You needed to cover your face from your nose all the way down to about your chest area. You had to keep your distance from the healthy population. There were certain camps where all the lepers went and hung out together. You had to have your head uncovered and your, and your clothes torn. It was a symbol of mourning. Why? Because if you had leprosy and you were not cured, you would surely die. You were a dead man walking if you had leprosy. And you were announcing to, to everyone your condition. Now there's two incidents that are recorded in the Gospels of Jesus healing leprosy. This one we just read, and there's one found in Luke chapter 17, verse 14. Here's how it reads. When Jesus saw them, now these are ten lepers. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, it says, they were cleansed. That word cleansed in Greek is katarizo, which means to purify, which means to completely be clean. And it's interesting, the Bible speaks of cleansing of leprosy. Cleansing of leprosy. Why? Because leprosy, like other diseases found in the Bible, were considered sin. If anyone had leprosy or any other ailment, physical ailment like blindness or whatever then people thought that you had really disobeyed God. You had committed a serious sin. And so the symbol of sin of the Bible was leprosy. And leprosy needed to be cleansed. Leprosy needed to be purified. So that's the hopeless condition we find this man. Hopeless condition which leads him to a desperate petition. Again, verse 40. When the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. This man comes on his knees, humbling before Jesus. But notice, let me make some observation. If you're taking notes, these are really important. First of all, he didn't obey the law of Moses. He didn't shout out, unclean, unclean. Also, remember, there's crowds around Jesus. Tons of people are there. And he goes through the crowds. I'm sure he touched some of them. He was supposed to keep a distance from all crowds. He doesn't blame God for his condition. He doesn't come to, to Jesus and say, look, why am I like this? I didn't sin. I didn't do any horrible thing. I don't deserve this. He doesn't come like that. He humbly comes before Jesus. And don't miss this. This is so important. He comes to Jesus and says, you can. He doesn't question Jesus' power. He says, I know you can, Jesus. If you will, you can make me clean. He's not questioning Jesus' power, but what he is questioning is Jesus' willingness. Did you catch that? If it's your will, Jesus, if you will, I know you can. So here I am in desperation on my knees saying, if you will, you can make me clean. Zero entitlement. I mentioned these things to you because we should have the same posture when we come to Jesus, humbly before him. 
And some of us come before Jesus with a sense of entitlement. You owe me. I need to, and you fill in the blanks. You need to do this because you owe me. No, our posture before Jesus is just like this leper's posture. If you will, Lord, let your will be done, not mine. If you will, let me be cured. If it's your will, Father, not mine. No entitlement. Acknowledging that he is sovereign and we are not. A hopeless condition that led to a desperate petition. Now let's look at a compassionate feeling. A compassionate feeling that leads to a full healing. Verse 41. Moved with pity. Now some translation have this word compassion there. Move with compassion. Move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. I will be clean. And immediately... Mark's favorite word. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Like I mentioned, some translations of the Bible have compassion instead of pity. But in this translation, the ESV, it uses pity. So as I was preparing for the sermon this morning, I did a word search. Why pity? And in Greek, this this word pity has a a notation of, of feeling frustrated. A little bit angry. Now, don't miss this. Jesus was not angry at the leper. Jesus was frustrated and angry at the leper's condition. He was upset at the fact that this is a sinful world that we're living in. And because of the sin nature and the sinful world we're at right now, there's disease, there's leprosy. We are fallen. And so he was frustrated at this man's situation and he was moved with compassion. And so what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches the leper. Again, Mosaic law also prohibited anybody who was clean. You could not prohibit you from touching anyone who was unclean. But Jesus both physically clean and spiritually clean, reaches out and touches this man and he is healed completely one touch. There was no rehab needed and everything that this horrible disease took away from this leper, maybe he lost a hand, fingers, whatever, everything was completely restored. Church, when Jesus heals, he completely heals. When Jesus restores, he completely restores with one touch. See, a man who had probably not known the touch of another's hand for years and years was now touched and cured. Jesus did that. Why? Because Jesus touches the untouchable and he cures the uncurable. Always has, church. And he always Will. He stretched out his hand and touched him and says, I will be clean. Notice, no lecture, no judgment, no delay, no conditions. One touch cleansed immediately. One touch that changed a man's life forever. A hopeless condition which leads to a desperate petition, a compassionate feeling that Jesus had. And with one touch, Transitioned to a full, complete healing. Now we're going to look at a demanding rule, which transitioned into a disobedient reply. 
a demanding rule which led to a disobedient reply. Verse 43. Again, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but instead go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. He, after healing the leper, Jesus sends him away with two commands. The first one, stern warning, a strict order. Do not tell anyone. It's a command of silence in a way. But I don't know if you noticed, but if you haven't, you are going to notice this. For some reason, after Jesus heals somebody, he commands them not to say a thing. We saw a little bit about, about that last week. Again, Mark chapter 1, verse 24. Jesus is in the synagogue. And the demons say this. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent, quiet, and come out of them. Later in the gospel, we're going to read this in Mark chapter 3, verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the Son of God. And Jesus strictly ordered them not to make him known. Mark chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus heals a man who's been mute. And it reads this, and Jesus charged them to tell no one. Don't say a word of what just happened. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Why this silence? Why this command of not saying a thing to anyone? I want to propose to you two reasons why. See, Jesus didn't want his full identity declared of who he was, to his mission of proclaiming the gospel was made clear. He didn't want to. Now, we're going to see throughout this gospel, he gives us hints of who he is. We'll see some of that next week. But he doesn't truly identify who he is himself until later, towards the end of the gospel according to Mark. As a matter of fact, in chapter 8 of this gospel, this is the midpoint of the gospel, but it's also a transitioning point, a turning point. We're going to read in chapter 8 of Mark that, that Jesus sends out his apostles. He says, you guys go out, two, two of you together, go, go out there, and they come back. And Jesus asks them, who do the people say that I am? And they start to respond to Jesus, well, some say you are Moses, some say you're the prophet Elijah. And then Jesus, I can imagine, looks at every single one of them and says, okay, but who do you, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, being Peter, bold Peter, stands up and says, you are the son of man. At that point, there's a transition because we're going to see that the author, Mark, what he does, he, he no longer points out Jesus as Messiah, the miracle maker. We're going to see Jesus, the suffering Messiah. From that point forward, Jesus is going to be led to the cross. I love what one commentator says. He says this. There is a progressive withdrawal of the veil from his identity until he himself openly declares it. That's the first reason for silence. The second reason for silence, we already mentioned it. 
He didn't want the excitement of all the people, of all the, the healing, of all these miracles to overshadow his true purpose. His true purpose, again, was to declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We saw this last week, and I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. And he said to his apostles, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. Why? For that is why I came out, to proclaim the good news, the gospel of God. That was his reason. So first of all, Jesus tells the leper, don't say anything. Keep silent. The second command, he says, go and present yourself before the priest so that they may declare you to be clean. Again, according to the law of Moses, in Leviticus chapter 14, you read that when a man, if a man or a woman, was cleansed of leprosy, before they were able to go back into the temple to worship, before they were able to go back into community, they needed to present themselves before the priest, and the priest would say that they were clean. As a matter of fact, they were given a certificate of cleanness, that they were now cleansed and joined the community again. But notice what Jesus says. Again, verse 44. Go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Why? For a proof to them. Now this word proof is a testimony. A testimony, just saying, a testimony to them. Who are they? The priest. Why, why is this important? Most Jewish people, and definitely all religious leaders, priests, knew that Messiah would come doing miracles. As a matter of fact, we read in the gospel according to John that John the Baptist is now in prison. And it seems that John the Baptist starts to have second doubts of who Jesus really is. So he demands some of his disciples, hey, do me a favor. Go ask Jesus if he really is a Messiah because I made this scandal at, at the river. I was, I was baptizing everybody. I just want to make sure that he is Messiah. So John the Baptist's disciples go to Jesus, and here's what we read in Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus answered them, go and tell John, John the Baptist, what you have seen and heard. He says, the blind, they, they receive their sight, and the lame, will they get up and walk? The lepers, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And so what Jesus was saying, I know these priests know that Messiah would come doing these miracles. And if this man who had leprosy is now clean before them, and they deny the person who cleansed them, then they're denying me as Messiah. And so we know how that turned out. The high priest, the people who he came, Jesus came to save, denied him as Messiah. And later crucified him a demanding rule that jesus gives this this man don't tell anyone go show yourself to the priest but then there is a disobedient reply verse 45 again but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news jesus says look don't say anything okay and i can imagine the leper say okay 
And then he goes out and starts telling everybody. Now, before you start casting stones at this poor man, wouldn't you do the same? Imagine if you had leprosy, this disease that was really uncurable, a disease that had isolated you for years, and now you're completely cured and restored. Of course you would shout out of all the great things this man did. But not only that, don't you think people noticed? Wait, weren't you the guy that was covered from head to toe in leprosy? And now you're cured? So I don't know if this man deliberately disobeyed Jesus or out of the excitement like we would have disobeyed Jesus. But we do read that he disobeyed Jesus and tells everyone. And because of that, because of that, it leads us to our fourth and final transition which is a temporary separation, which leads to a complete restoration. Verse 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming from everywhere, from every single quarter. So instead of obeying Jesus, his command to silence, this leper goes out and tells everyone to begin to talk freely of what Jesus had done for him. And as a result of that, because of this man's disobedience, Jesus' ministry of preaching, proclaiming the good news in this region of Galilee was prohibited. Remember, he wanted to avoid the crowd, so his mission was clear of the gospel. And because, because of this man's disobedience, now he had more crowds. Imagine And so he couldn't do that, but also, as we read, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. Jesus had now traded places with a leper. A man with leprosy who at one time was in a desolate place. A man who could not openly enter into a town was now able to. I love what Jonathan Edwards says. He says this, Mark began this story with Jesus on the inside and the leper, he was on the outside. At the end of the story, Jesus is outside in desolate places. Jesus and the leper, they've traded places. Why? Why did Jesus do this for this man? Because Jesus touches the untouchable. And he cures the incurable. That's what Jesus does when you turn to him. When you trust in the sacrifice. With one touch, he cures you. He changes you instantly. But if you think about it, church, you and I, we are the lepers in the story. See, like the leper, we needed and should come to God saying, unclean, unclean. Why? Because apart from Christ, we are unclean before God. It's called our sin. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord God. Church, like the leper, Jesus reaches out to you and to me. Out of compassion, while we were still unclean, and cleanses us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that way we, that we were still sinners. 
in our condition, unclean because of our sin, Christ died for us. Church, like the leper, Jesus traded places for you and for me at the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Like the leper, Jesus was treated as an outcast. So that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus' sacrifice may be accepted in his presence. Hebrews 12, 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Like the leper church, anyone that comes to Christ needs to come in the same way, acknowledging their sin. Because deep down inside, every single one of us is diseased with sin. Every single one of us before God, just like the leper, was a dead man walking. Every single one of us before Christ was destined to hell, but God, but God. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but God, my favorite words in the Bible, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with, with which he loved us, even, even when we were dead in our trespasses, unclean in our sin made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Here's how I want us to close this morning. I want you to remain seated right, right where you're at. And I want you to come before God with any sin that might be in your heart. See, I believe sin is like leprosy. That if you continue to sin and, and whatever sin you're in, you become callous. You no longer feel. Your heart is hardened. And I know every single one of us has some sin in us that we need to come before God and say, touch me. I need to be clean of this sin. Maybe some of you have this anger in you, unforgiveness, some guilt, envy, jealousy, greed, lust. Addiction, infidelity, whatever it is, come before God. So where you at, stay there. The, the band is going to come up and, and sing a reflection song. So stay seated and come before God in prayer. But if you need prayer, if you need to come and just have someone pray over you, we have our prayer team around the sanctuary, towards the back and in the middle. Feel free to come before God just as you are and feel his touch. Why? Because Jesus touches the untouchable and he cures the incurable. He cures our sin. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you with our sin. I love your word, 1 John 1, 9, the cleansing verse that says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and merciful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us 
of all unrighteousness. And Father, that's how we come before you, humbly asking this petition. We're coming as we are, in need of a Savior. That's your Son, Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray, the Holy Spirit move within us, that we no longer are captive to any sin we might have, but are free with the freedom that your son Jesus Christ gave to those who believe in the sacrifice of the cross. And so Father, I pray that we are a church that lives out this freedom, the freedom of sin, not takes it for granted, but is faithful in obedience to all you have us do. And Father, I pray as well that we are a reflection of your son's love to others that we can lead others to come to you so that they can come as well as they are to be cleansed. We love you, Father. We praise you. And we say all these things in your son's name. 